Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Iron Flute Case 94. Living alone on the mountain. A monk came to Ngodoyo and asked, Can I live alone at the top of the mountain? Fugai. You are lost in a cloud. Ungo answered, Why would you give up your zendo in the valley to be on the mountaintop? Fugai, that's not the way to handle ghosts. Nyogen Senzaki, American friends often ask me where they can find a quiet place in which to meditate. My usual answer is, can't you find a quiet spot in your home? No matter how busy your daily life is, you can find certain times and a certain place in which you can sit quietly in Zazen, merely pining for a quiet place away from your own home is wrong. This monk evidently could not harmonize himself with other monks in the Zendo and thought he needed to live alone on a mountain peak. Ungo cornered the monk with his question, but no wonder Fugai thought his method was lukewarm. If I had been there, I would have demanded that the monk tell me where he was at that very moment. If he hesitated, I would have thrown him out of the room immediately. General, if I had been in Ungo's place, I would have said to the monk, if you do not neglect your own zendo, I will allow you to stay on the mountain peak. But how can you stay there without neglecting your own zendo? Fugai, destroy that zendo and that mountain. Yogen Senzaki. Fugai is such an anarchist. I do not wish to associate with this radical monk. Genro's first remark was splendid. Why did he add the second? Look at my associates here. They go to work. They take care of their homes and families. Not one of them neglects their responsibilities to practice Zen. Any teaching that is apart from daily life is not real teaching. 
Genro's verse. Ungo pushed the monk to the edge of the abyss. Bugai says, there's no higher or wider place. And threw him into it. Fugai, giving him eternal life. Where he will remain for all eternity. Fugai, no entrance, no exit. His method is superior to other teachers. Fugai, one should have gratitude. Nyogen Senzaki. Hey! Excuse me while I wink at you. The sixth day of our 46th anniversary session Between the first day and today, much has changed within us. In the beginning, I would see a certain expression especially among the officers and some of the newer students. <laughs> Deer in the headlights. I too, from time to time. What's next? <sighs> now... We can feel such subtlety. Sensitivity. A kind of natural intimacy. at ease. This morning, every morning, but particularly this morning, the Eno bird leading 
the bird's choka. I might have gotten a few words wrong. <laughs> so complex and clear, so beautiful. It starts right before ours. And then Across the residence wing, another morning service began, a different Eno. And soon they were. And then everybody joined in, just as we do. And the other day, the Tenzo-san uh, for Shukaza was striking the meal gong. So I came out of my apartment and happened to look out the window up there. And there was this unbelievably large bear. Big black bear. Just before Chikijitsu-san was leading you all out onto the deck, how many of you saw? Yeah? And Jishin got a good picture. Everything is so vivid. And at the same time, so dreamlike. No fixed substance. We can really feel, really appreciate this kind of elemental reciprocity. Or in Buddhist language, dependent, co-arising. This is. Because that is. Taking turns. Arising, falling away. Manifesting. Temporarily, as this or that, having what we come to see is a provisional reality. Well, we agree to call this a lectern. It agrees to hold my notes. And then, at some unspecified time, it dissolves. In the Diamond Sutra, again and again, 
This is not this. It's only called this. Therefore, you are free. Well, today we meet Ungo Doyo, Yunju Daoying in Chinese. He was a disciple and Dharma heir of Tozan Ryokai Zenji, co-founder of the Soto School of Zen. Ungo's birth date Nobody is quite sure, maybe 835, maybe earlier. We do know he was born. And he was born in ancient Yozhou in what is now Hubei province and was ordained at the age of 25. He first studied with Suibi Mugaku, but having heard of Tozan's reputation as a great Zen master, he went to practice under him. And later he established his own temple, which he called True Lustness on Mount Ungo, Yunju, in Zhangji province, where he taught for more than 30 years and is said to have had some 1,500 monks training under him. And he passed away in 902, the common era. One day, Tozan asked him, where are you off to? Ungo said, I'm going tromping on the mountain. Tozan asked, how can the mountain endure? We never think of this, do we? Oh, I'm going out for a hike. How a mountain withstands. How a mountain puts up with all the humans and the animals and all the things that live upon it. And of course, in our time, humans dynamite it to get its valuable minerals or make a road or something. Anyway, Ungo replied, how can it not endure? Fundamentally, no coming into existence no going, 
not born, not destroyed. Tozon answered, if you go on like this, eventually you'll be a teacher for the whole country. Sounds like great praise, hmm? What do you think? Will Ungo bite? Ungo said, no, I won't. Tozan said, if you go on like this, your disciples will gain entrance to the way. Big fish. Ungo. No such way. Tozan. No such way. I challenge you to show me. Now we've got a direct confrontation. Ungo replied, if there is such a way, then I will leave you immediately and take it. Tozan replied, in the future, a thousand or even 10,000 people won't be able to grab this disciple. He won't. No lures seem to be working. No traps. He will not be grabbed. So as is the most of you know, I've been speaking on cases from the Iron Flute chronologically for quite a few years. When I first became abbot, I went through the Mumon Khan. So I don't know how many years ago I took up Iron Flute, meanwhile doing the cases from the Hekigan Roku, the Blue Cliff Record at Hoenji in Syracuse. But anyway, it was well before the pandemic. And then pausing. Sitting in the valley. And then before resuming doing the 10 oxerting pictures during 2021, the year of the ox. And now I've returned and it's already case 94. We're nearing the end. And maybe I'll get to case 100 at Rohatsu.
One never knows. As we know well because of the pandemic, this one thing we got clear, maybe we'll be sitting again together. Maybe not. Anyway, today's koan, the actual case, is quite short. But as often happens with the iron flute, the commentators have plenty to say. They are the Soto Zen master Genro Oryu. He's the compiler and poet of the iron flute. Fugai Honko, his disciple and an artist. And Nyogen Senzaki, who translated the iron flute with his disciple, Kangetsu. Cool moon. Ruth Strout McCandless. So one day, a monk came to see Ungo and asked about living alone on the top of a mountain. Apparently, this monk thought he needed to find a place high in the heavenly peaks, apart from the dust of the world, the daily life of the temple, beyond his valley zendo, wanted a scenic overlook. We all know what that's like, right? Scenic overlook, try it sometime. Where he could finally attain something. And so Fugai comments, you're a lost in a cloud. You haven't even moved a step higher and you are already lost in a cloud. Perhaps like the monk who went to see Joshu Jushin Zenji, as Chigon Roshi told us in his wonderful two-part adventure story, this monk, too, may have been wondering, do I really have Buddha nature? Considering everything that's wrong? And if I do have it, where is it? He was, we might say, attributing to his surroundings the reason for his dissatisfaction. 
something that is pretty common, isn't it? You don't like your life? Blame your situation. Who is thinking, I don't have what I need. There must be a better place somewhere. That has a ring to it, right? There must be. Maybe if I could live in a little hut where nobody bothered me, then I could do pure practice and find what I'm missing. Maybe someplace like Daibosatsu Zendo. It's kind of a big hut, but it's high. Must be the place that's the problem. And depending on where we have come from, we may all feel that to some extent. This urban valley full of gunshots and sirens, he might have said if he were in Syracuse. I need to get away from here. I need to go to the Pure Land Mountain. And of course, Hakuin says, what? Seeking it far away. What a pity. Monk was searching for a way out. Not a way in. Seeking circumstances more to what he thought he would like. As many people do, he had some kind of romantic idea about living alone on a mountaintop. What it would be like. And thus, Fugai said, you are lost in the clouds. The clouds of ignorance, his mind completely caught in dualism. Here isn't working, so I'll go there. But as we know, from our own experience, the first thing he would discover is that the outer landscape might change. The inner landscape would go with him. And I think we all encounter that to some degree when we begin session. Who here felt on the first day of session, I'm fine. 
Everything is perfect. Well, maybe to some degree, right? Of course, here, everything is perfect. But, you know, people come from elsewhere, and even residents come from pre-session, Daibusatsu, it's a lot to do preparing for session. And it's kind of overwhelming. Or some of you may have come from situations at work that were not to your liking. Or you might have had angry moments with your family. You might have been fuming at the noise and crowding on the streets and in the subway and on the buses. So, you, you know, okay, we'll go to Daivasatsu Zendo and all will be well. And I won't have to deal with all that. Not all that. What we notice pretty quickly is it's within that the dukkha is worst. Give me back my subway. <laughs> As we sit, As we've heard from Qigong Roshi and Hokuto Sensei and Kiyun Son, we notice things. We start to see all sorts of old stuff. Maybe stuff we didn't even know was lurking. Or had never seen quite so clearly before. And you know the problem with Daibusatsu is there are no good distractions. We don't have a little movie showing every afternoon, except what's going on in our own minds, and we don't particularly like those movies. Well, maybe the food is a dis distraction that we contemplate from time to time with great appreciation. But basically, what we're facing is in our face. We're in our face. And soon, Doksan is in our face. Facing, facing it, facing it. And little by little, with that reckoning comes forgiveness.
forgiveness of others. And even more hard one, forgiveness of one's self. Using those self others advisedly and quotation marks, of course. What happens is we forgive and that distinction falls away. Self-pity falls away. And gratitude wells up. We recognize and bow to the avatars of Buddha. Buddha, who uses devices to emancipate us from harmful karma that has been produced and accumulated upon ourselves through our own egoistic delusion and attachment. Through the countless cycles of kalpa. In other words, for a long time, As the flowing movement of session continues time unfolds as it is. There's no rush. Nothing is early. Nothing is late. Dawn comes and folds into high noon and into dusk and darkness, completely naturally. Just like our footsteps rising and falling in Kenyan. And there's a great feeling of Okay. Okay. We stand. We sit. What's the elevation of Daibosatsu Mountain? 
3,000 feet? No. In the Blue Cliff Record, case 26, a monk asked Shakujo, what is the most wonderful thing? Yakujo said, I sit alone on the great sublime peak. Where is this peak? Hmm? Hmm? Inside us. What is its elevation? Each one of us is sitting on this. Truly the most wonderful thing. So this monk's either-or mentality is familiar to us all, I think. Here or there? How do I get from here to there? Is this good or bad? Will I benefit or not? Maybe Buddhism is the problem. Which is better? Avocado or pineapple? That's a reference to a very old Laurie Anderson song. Which is better? God or Dharma? One time when I was living at the Beecher House, Ada Roshi was invited to Syracuse to give a talk on Zen Buddhism, on or about Zen. I didn't know much about Syracuse at that time, although two years later I would be living there. After his talk, someone asked a question. Is Dharma the same as God? Ada Roshi was quiet 
for a while. Then he said, I will not say no. I will not say yes. No! Sometimes we say moo. Getting back to this case, Ungo responds to the monk. Why would you give up your zendo in the valley to be on the mountaintop? Rugai criticizes this. He says, that's not the way to handle ghosts. This monk is clueless. Can't you do better than that? And Nyogen Senraki agrees. First telling us about the American friends, the people who come to sit with him, often ask me where they can find a quiet place in which to meditate. My usual answer is, can't you find a quiet spot in your home? Merely pining for a quiet place away from your own home is wrong. This monk evidently could not harmonize himself with other monks in the Zendo and thought he needed to live alone on a mountain peak. Again, the circumstances were not what he thought he needed. Ungo cornered the monk with his question. Why would you give up your zendo in the valley to be on the mountaintop? But no wonder Fugai thought his method was lukewarm. If I had been there, I would have demanded that the monk tell me where he was at that very moment. How high is your Zafu? If he hesitated, I would have thrown him out of the room immediately. And then Genro comes in with what he would have done. If I had been in Ungo's place, I would have said to the monk, if you do not neglect your own zendo, I will allow you to stay on the mountain peak. But how can you stay there without neglecting your own zendo? So immediately sets up this dualistic statement. How can you stay there without neglecting? And of course, 
Yogan Senzaki, after hearing from the anarchist Fugai, blow up the Zendo, blow up the mountain, he says, oh, such an anarchist. But Genro's first remark was splendid. Why did he add the second? If you do not neglect your own Zendo, I will allow you to stay on the mountain peak, was his first remark. Are you neglecting your own Zendo while you are here at Daibosatsu? Hmm? Anybody? How do you answer? Yes. Yes? Yes. Yes? Yes, you are? Mm. Well, then, well, then, how can you stay here? Mm. So, Yogan jumps in and criticizes the whole lot. He speaks of his associates, meaning the people who come to sit with him, and says they go to work. They take care of their homes and families. Not one of them neglects their responsibilities. Any teaching that is apart from daily life is not real teaching. So this is a, an invitation to us to make a distinction between what you are doing here in Seshin and the so-called real world. Anybody else fall into that trap? Where is the real world? What are you doing here on the cushion? You think you are divorced from it? Or just temporarily taking a break? I don't want to hear about it. Maybe someday I'll read about it, but not now. So, in his verse, Genro appreciates Ongo's statement, saying he pushed the monk to the edge of the abyss and threw him into it where he will remain for all eternity. His method is superior to others' teachers. What is his method, after all? Does he give the monk some good advice? 
well, here's how you can take care of your zendo in the valley and be on the mountaintop. Or, yes, I think you should go to the mountaintop. You don't have to worry about your valley zendo anymore. Or, maybe you better stay in the valley. Just asks, why would you give up your zendo in the valley to be on the mountaintop. Why do you think they are too? Huh? What's going on in your mind that makes you think that? Into the abyss you go. And Fugai is saying, oh, by doing this, he's giving him eternal life. What does this mean? by being thrown into the abyss where you will remain for all eternity. With no entrance, no exit. Are you grateful? Fugai says one should have gratitude. What's the high and low of it? Well, Nyogen tells us, Hey! Ungo, at another time, not in this exchange, later on, Ungo said, if you want to attain such a thing, you should be such a person. already being such a person, why worry about such a thing? Isn't that wonderful? Mm. He's addressing each of us. You're already living alone, sitting alone with all beings. What more need you seek? Therefore, Sitting at the top of the mountain, your zendo in the valley is right here. Therefore, you can make of yourself an offering. 
when you come down, all beings will receive this fragrant air and pure water. Soen Roshi wrote a journal entry on January 1976. That begins with a quote, Buddhist quote. Ascend to seek Bodhi. Descend to guide sentient beings. And he said, the path that goes up the mountain is the same path that goes down the mountain. The two are inseparable. When we are ascending, seeking Bodhi, we are at the same time looking regarding, and in that sense, we are simultaneously descending. This is what we are doing when we chant Kanzeon. Invoking Avalokiteshvara the Bodhisattva of compassion with her thousand arms and hands, hand on each hand and eye. We become Kanzeo, looking up our aspiration rises. We are enveloped in the light. You are the light itself. And looking down, we see we hear all cries. Innumerable beings are waiting for us to pay attention. To 
offer our precious human lives to give a clear and compassionate response to what cannot be predicted for which there is no formula. In his journal entry, Soen Roshi continued, when we want to guide sentient beings, we find that there are no sentient beings to guide. Step after step, is nothing but Namu Daibosa. Namu Daibosa. And he wrote this verse Emerging Bodhisattva Mountain. In this bountiful light, I shall dance the self of no self. What is the dance of the self of no self? Do you want to dance? The self of no self? Anyone? Yes, go ahead. Um, like the back and forth between the ego and the knowing that there is no, <laughs> that there's nothingness, there's no self, there's no ego. If there is no ego, there is no ego. There is no self, so it's a back and forth. Maybe a better way to explain it would be We chanted, if we concentrate within and testify to the truth that self-nature is no nature, we have really gone beyond foolish talk to regard the thought of no thought as thought, whether singing or dancing, we are the voice of the Dharma. And what comes next? Hmm? Oh, boundless, the clearest guidance of mind. How boundless, how boundless. So unbound, let us continue this 
singing, dancing, and loving. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.